So are you ready for your first time? <laughs> I ain't been able to say that in a long time about anything. Uh, oh, wait. Oh, you have to tell all the listeners about the guy with the artificial leg. Why are you telling people my shit already? I've been here five <laughs> minutes and you're telling my deepest, darkest secrets <laughs> about my swamp endeavors. <laughs> Toronto's first episode. We are going to continue with Disappear, but you can also join us on the Patreon. I love we the Patreon. Ha, uh, I, I love it. It's so good. Hey, pa- hi, honey. Hi. Hey, uh, I don't know what to say. Uh, Ellen, let me take this. Oh, hey, Christopher. Hey, girl. Hey, Christopher. Patricia. Yeah. Can I call you Patricia? Always. I don't know how to tell you this. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. You just, you gotta go. Uh, right. You're embarrassing yourself. Okay. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Oh, my. Bye. Oh, God. That was anyway. awkward. Anyway. That was awkward. <laughs> As I was saying, you can join Joey and I on the Patreon. We are continuing with Fry Thy Neighbor. You get three ad-free bonus episodes, plus an extra something. We've done a couple Q&As for you guys to get to know Joey. We take all of your suggestions, so you can go on our website and check the Patreon link, and it's just going to be a blast. We're going to continue with Fry Thy Neighbor until we have a new series. We can't wait to choose a new one. Yeah, and at some point, I will take my top off. Great. All right, are you ready? I'm so ready! Season 6, episode 15, At a Crossroads, tells the story of the disappearance of Jared Johnston. 18-year-old Jared Johnston is a quick-witted, spontaneous teenager. Jared was outgoing, and he made friends easily. He loved music, and he wanted to make it a career. After a heated argument with his grandmother, he takes off. His parents assume he went to his girlfriend's house. But he never arrives. Steve's looking at me in disbelief. This can't be happening. He, he's supposed to be with her. Law enforcement has little to go on. We don't know which direction it went. We don't even know where to start looking. The mystery deepens when the family receives a call from a stranger nearly 300 miles away. We picked him up on August 2nd and began to try to investigate if he'd been reported missing or maybe had been lost. And his family is confronted by an unimaginable horror. We don't know what's going on. The people are threatening to kill our son. All right, so here we are. We're picking up Saturday, July 7th, 2007. Steve and Lisa Johnston are gardening, and this is how you know I'm not well, because I immediately think that they're burying a body. (laughs) I immediately think they're the bad guys and they're burying a body. Turns out they're not. No. It's fine. They're just in Kentucky. (laughs) It's a nice day, a hoe in the garden. It's a humid afternoon in Franklin, Kentucky, a quiet southern town a few miles from the Tennessee border. Steve Johnston and his wife, Lisa, are in the garden when they receive a phone call. Lisa's mom, Mima, calls Lisa and says that their stepson, Jared, has stormed off because they got in a little bit of a tussle. Wait, can I just tell you that Always? I also wrote down Mima. You did not write down <laughs> I so you did write Mima because how can you not be in Yazoo, Mississippi yeah. and not be Mima? Okay, they never call her Mima, but for the sake of today, we're calling her Mima. Mima. Okay. <laughs> So Mama Lisa tells us that Jared has grabbed his bag and his guitar and left Mima's house. And we see the reenactment and Mima says, well, he left. <laughs> She's like, you lied. You gotta go, baby. Yeah. I mean, listen, I don't love the Southern accents as much as I love the sayings. Now you are. How dare you? You are from where? I am from New Orleans, baby. He's from New Orleans. <laughs> That's right. You guys, when Joey has had a drink, the Nolans comes out. It's bad, especially when I have a chorus light, the silver bullet, my mouth becomes a machine gun, and I'm firing bullets in every direction with a southern accent. Well, I love it. You know, we have a a friend named Stacy, and she's from Nashville, and she says, Finna. Oh. All the time. She's... 
That's I'm, a different kind of Southern. <laughs> my kind of Southern is, baby, how your mom and I'm doing? That's yeah. how people in New Orleans talk. So if you're from the South, Joey's going to give you some Southern love. It's true. So we're going to go back a couple days. We're going to go back to Wednesday, July 4th, 2007. Three days earlier, on a blistering hot Independence Day, Steve Johnston and his wife Lisa drove south with three of their four kids, including 18-year-old Jared. They were traveling toward Yazoo County, Mississippi, a rural community where the family has lots of friends and extended family, to drop off the kids for summer break. Okay, I don't know about you, but as a member of the Pickle Kissing Society, the minute I hear Mississippi, uh-huh. I'm nervous. Uh-oh. I am very nervous <laughs> because I don't think people in Yazoo, Mississippi, a population of 29,000 people are like, baby, you should come and see our gay pride. It's so diverse. <laughs> I think they're more like, we like to string up our homos by their toes and force feed them squirrel pie. Okay, <laughs> That's what I think. The younger two, Matthew and Brittany, Lisa's kids from a previous relationship would stay with their grandmother, Carolyn. Steve's oldest son, Jared, had made arrangements to live with a friend. They were just going to spend the whole summer down there. Now, Mama Lisa and Papa Steve say goodbye, and we hear Mama Lisa say how she was crying. She is a sweetheart. She is so sweet. Now, but listen, I have taken Lola to camp. She has visited my parents in California. She has visited her dad's parents in England. And I'm like, bye. (laughs) Get out. I slow the car down. I let her roll her little on ass out, and I screech away, which leads me to my next point. Yes. Enjoying time. Time without your kids does not make you a bad parent. No. Enjoying time without your kids is healthy. Having time away from your children is essential. I just think there is a twisted standard set by like our attachment-focused society that says that we have to miss our kids. You don't have to miss your kids. Honey, I don't miss my kids because I ain't got any. <laughs> I don't want them. I don't want your kids. I don't want nobody's kids, which brings me to my point. Is that a thing that happens where people are like, you know, I would love to host your children for the summer. Please bring them. We're gonna, they're going to stay with us. I don't want your kids. <laughs> if you called me and said, could you keep Lola for three months? I would be like, delete my contact <laughs> from your phone because you have misinterpreted this situation. I don't want your kid. I don't want nobody's kid. <laughs> but Mama Lisa is here. She is genuinely so sweet. She is such a down bitch. She's crying. I love you, Mama Lisa. Have a beverage and go have a good summer. Yeah, go hoe your garden. <laughs> that is not a euphemism. But maybe it is. We say goodbye to Brittany and Matthew and Jared. And I cried and I cried. And he hugged my neck and said, Mom, I'm not gone forever. I'll come home. I said, okay. So said, then why does this feel like I'm saying goodbye? It's like, I don't know, but you need to stop crying. I'll see you soon. And we learn a little bit about Jared. And doesn't he seem like someone who would be our friend? He would totally be someone we'd be friends with in high school. He loves theater. He loves music. He's got an obnoxious laugh like both of us do. Yeah. I was like, this is a cute kid. Yeah, he's so sweet. Now, listen, I'm not I'm not coming out of the gate calling Papa Steve a liar. And I <laughs> and I do understand the old adage of never let the truth get in the way of a good story, because I live by that. Totally. But Papa Steve tells us that his kindergarten teacher caught him reading Hemingway. Hemingway. No, you did it. I remember in kindergarten, Jared teacher called me at home and told me that Jared is uh, reading so, uh, yes, he's been reading for a while. He says, but he's reading Hemingway. <laughs> that was one of the books she'd caught him with was The Old Man in the Sea. You know, I think it was Hemingway that said, um, now from the top, <laughs> make it drop. That's a whap. That's a whap. Get a bucket and a mop. That's a whap. That was Hemingway, right? <laughs> Ah, yes, that I was might totally... Be, I might be paraphrasing. I might be paraphrasing. Listen, we all do it. We've all had it done for us. My mom used to tell people that I was a tap dancer. Yeah. I never took a tap dance lesson in my life. I just put on my penny loafers <laughs> and shuffled my feet around. And she's like, look at him. He's a natural born <laughs> tap dancer. No, I'm not, mom. I was not. But Aww. you know what? That's what parents do. Yeah. Anyway, my ass. It was very sweet. Mama Lisa says how smart he was. We learn that Papa Steve and Mama Lisa got married in 2003. And bonus sister Brittany is here. And it is it is actually very sweet because she says 
that Jared just accepted her brother, Matthew, and they just became a family right away. And he was loving and protective. There's clearly a lot of love in this family. Um, Honestly, Mama Lisa, I know that lady. Like, I grew up with that lady. She's very Southern, but she's smart and she's deeply empathetic. And I'm like, I want to hug her. I want to brush her hair a little bit, but I want (laughs) to hug her. I'm like, rave, that rave, rave hairspray. Oh, I know it. That could withstand a hurricane. Mm -hmm. But the last two years have been hard on the family. After Steve and Lisa became aware that Jared was abusing drugs. Jared had thrown this big party at the house when my parents weren't there. And he had taken a lot of of pills and he had to take them to the hospital. He threw a party when his parents were out of town. Now, I got to say, apparently these people did not grow up with a tiny little Italian mother because I (laughs) never had the balls to throw a party. Really? While my parents were out of town. I used to be in awe when people used to have people over at their house when their parents weren't home. I was like, I mean, I'll come, but I'm not doing (laughs) that. Did you do that? Wait a minute. Funny you should mention it. Okay, this is the point that I should remind everyone. I'm a minister's kid. (laughs) Y'all. Joey and I have been friends for almost 10 years now. Over 10 years. And if I know one thing, (laughs) he's a minister's kid. Listen, it informs a lot about my life, okay? Bear with me. I'm telling you, my whole existence was being a minister's kid. But we weren't allowed to do anything. I mean, they were so strict. I have two older brothers and a little sister. And by the time my older brothers got out of the house, we learned from their mistakes because my brothers were dummies. And so my sister and I had a house party when my parents went out of town. We cleaned that house. We let people smoke in the house. We opened all the... Oh, my God, girl. It was a mess. We were... I mean, I maybe was like 18, 19. My sister was 15, 16. Y'all are brave. I know. Well, girl... What happens in teenagers' minds? I know. But we were like, you know what makes the most sense that we get rid of all these beer cans is let's bury it in the backyard. You buried it? We buried all of the party favors in the backyard. Why did no one suggest a dumpster? Oh, my because, God. I mean, anyway, my mom came home and we didn't get caught except she found a roach on the pool table. And she goes, what is this? <gasps> Where did this come from? And my sister and I looked at each other and we blamed our brother. <laughs> Always blame the brother. When I discovered Jared had been doing drugs with his friends, the first thing that came to my mind was, why? You know? But it turned out that Jared was struggling a little bit. He was hospitalized for some pills. And of course, we don't know any of the inner workings of this. But I mean, Papa's Steve's main question, which I totally understand, is why? And I was like, you know, boredom, maybe curiosity. Listen, I had the fear of God at all times, so I never did anything bad. I used to pour natty lights out in the sink at parties to make people think I was drinking. Oh, I was a scared little munchkin. A what light? Natty light. What the shit is a natty light? You never had natty light? That sounds like the name of, please welcome to the stage, natty light. (laughs) I don't know who that is. We had Boone's Farm. Okay, we had, yeah. Anyway, I was scared. Anyway, Jared was in and out of rehab for two years. And his junior year, he was homeschooled, which he actually loved and thrived. And he actually, you know, after some work, he actually was back to his old self again. Yeah, they say that he did great in school. He thrived at home with his family. I mean, I keep saying this, but the thing that is the most apparent is how much they all loved each other. And they really took care of Jared. Yeah. So we go back now to Saturday, July 7th, 2007, back in Yazoo, Mississippi. We were all sitting there talking and laughing, and the truck pulls up into the driveway. The truck belongs to Jared's friend's mom, and out of the cab hops Jared. It becomes clear she is dropping him off, along with all his stuff. We were all kind of confused. We weren't sure what she was doing there. We're all just kind of looking at each other, hoping somebody's got an answer. Brittany and Matthew, the bonus brother and sister, are at Mima's, and a truck pulls up and Jared hops out. Remember, he's gone to his friend's house. He's like, I'm going to go chill with my friends. Also, we learned that his girlfriend lives in Wazoo. Yes. And then so Brittany and Matthew are at Mima's, and he pulls up and they're like, what the shit you doing here? <laughs> what are you doing here? And poor Mima is confused. Now, this reenactment actress, she has given you beats. She has given you three act Shakespearean plays <laughs> for how confused he is. So we learned that Jared didn't really lock in those plans with his friends. But wait a minute. Did it not occur to the parents to confirm the plans? Yeah, not a... to blame them, but yeah. like my mom would have been like, I want their name. Yeah. I want their number. I want the address and social security yeah, number. Yeah, exactly. And so Mima's like, I don't know what to do. You got to call your mama. You got to call your mother. (laughs) 
<laughs> you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <sighs> she was literally like, get your shit and yeah. go. Jared had a history of taking her pain pills. She was on a lot of pain medicine from her hip surgery, and her legs were hurting a lot. And she couldn't deal with always worrying or having to count her pills all the time, making sure Jerry wasn't stealing any of them. Well, we learned that Mima was like, listen, last time you were here, you stole some of my pain pills. And Jared, you're just a little bit too much. So you're going to have to pick your mother up and have her come pick you up. Which, listen, I don't blame her because I grew up with family members that had addiction issues or other issues. And it is like walking on eggshells. It's very hard. It's very uncomfortable. It causes a lot of anxiety. So I understand. However, you know this as a mother, I've seen the video when your kid threatens to run away and you're like, okay, then yeah. leave. <laughs> yeah. You call them on their bluff. And then he called her on her bluff and he disappeared. And he left. And he basically was like, it seems actually really calm. He's like, so basically you want me to go? And Mima's like, yeah. So he's like, okay. So bonus sister Brittany runs out and runs after him. And he's like, don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. I'll take care of myself. And there were no follow-up questions. It's very odd. Yeah. Also, my heart broke for Jared because you know that feeling when you maybe you've gone through a period where you messed up or you're like maybe on the outs with your family a little bit and you're trying to do the right thing and you just need somebody to be like, I love you. It's okay. And in that moment, there was just a disconnect. And Brittany was like, it's going to be okay. Don't go. But he left. He left. And like, where was he going? We have no idea. And I get it. Mima, this isn't your responsibility. No. But can we have a family meeting before people leave the house with all of their stuff? Truly. I mean, I would be like, you're not leaving. We're going to figure this out. Maybe she she's old. Maybe she was on a pain pill. <laughs> Maybe she's like, my back hurts. My knees are knobbed. I just need to relax. I want to watch the prices right. I don't want to argue with a child. I love Mama Lisa, but she looks right into my eyeballs. Uh -oh. She looks right in my face <laughs> and she says, well, no, we need to give him time to cool off. Let's give him a little bit of space. We're going to give him some time to cool down. <laughs> now, this is the time where I start to lose my marbles because how much time does a normal person need to calm down? Because I need 20 minutes and then I want to talk about it. Truly. Okay, let me tell you something. As a, a man who grew up in the Deep South, yes, I'm reminding you, I grew up in the Deep South. The South is full of wonderful things. Great food, nice people with nice manners, lovely scenery. But what they don't have in the South is a sense of urgency. Yeah. <laughs> there is not that, okay? Yeah. Since Jared doesn't have a cell phone and he hasn't called the house, the family wonders if he's still holding a grudge due to another argument they had with him before he left Kentucky. Tensions had erupted when they discovered him smoking pot in the basement. Now, they had a little demi-argument yep. before they left Kentucky. Yeah, apparently he got caught smoking some weed. He had a little doobie, yeah. a doobie break in the basement. Yeah. And they were not too happy about that. Yeah. And so, you know, they caused a riff and they thought that they got over it. And then they thought, well, maybe it wasn't all water under the bridge. Maybe he's still angry about that, but we should give him some time. A lot of balls were dropped. Yeah, yeah. A lot of balls were dropped by everyone. Yeah, some time to cool off. I mean, listen, I don't understand that. I don't want to blame them. But also, a kid who's got that kind of history, I'm yeah. not going to give you that space. I'm yeah. sorry. You can have the space in the basement or yeah. in my car or something, but I'm going to keep my eye yeah, on you. Yeah, the urgency is a good thing. So then, this is where my heart drops. Because then the on-screen text says August 2007. So this is three weeks after he's left Mima's house. And this is where they say this thing and they go, well, you know, sometimes he goes off the grid. I genuinely don't understand when people say, eh, he just used to go off the grid sometimes. We hear it time and time again, and it never makes sense to me. Because we're both Italian. Yeah. <laughs> you were Italian. You don't get no space. You're like, I need space. Ain't no space for you. And then they say, he always comes back, and I'm like, huh, have you seen a little show called Disappeared? <laughs> There's nine seasons. I don't think Mima's watching Disappeared. Oh. <laughs> then, a letter bearing good news prompts his parents to try and make contact. At the end of July, 1st of August, we received a letter from the Commonwealth of Kentucky stating that Jared's ACT scores and his grades were so wonderful that he would have had a full scholarship at any state Kentucky school that he wanted to go to. 
So this is where we learned it's the end of July, and they got a letter that said Jared's grades and his ACT scores were so good that he had earned a full scholarship to any state school he wanted to go to in the state of Kentucky. Yeah, I mean, this it's another heartbreak. Yeah. Like, you know, he he made such big strides, yeah. and it kills me. I, I, there's so much heartbreak in this story. I know. <laughs> you guys, every time Joey would listen to an episode, he was listening to all of our back episodes, and he goes, Wait, so they just never found him? <laughs> I was like, baby, yeah, get your heart ready. Here we go. Some of these stories don't end well. So in the back of their mind, they're thinking he's at his friend's or maybe he's with his girlfriend, Casey Parker, because Casey lives in, in yeah, I almost said Wazoo. I, hand <laughs> to God, I almost said Wazoo. I've been saying Wazoo too. Uh, so we meet Casey. She just loved Jared. She said he could light up a room. He could make me ba, smile. Ba, 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 ba. Don't say light up a room, Casey. <laughs> We don't like that. The Casey goes, we were in love. And I'm like, you don't know love. You're a child. You don't know love. You don't know heartbreak. <laughs> well, I mean, listen, when she said his nickname, I called him Sunshine. I, I was like, that's so sweet. What's your nickname for me? Little Nightmare Before Christmas. No, that's my nickname for you. <laughs> my little sugar plum fairy. Joey always says it. He's like, all right, my little Nightmare Before Christmas. <laughs> you know what my favorite nickname is that anyone ever gave you? What? Yelling Marsh. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, it took years. I did so many Broadway shows before our friend Jake Odemark coined Yelling Marsh. I was like, and I looked at him and I said, it was right there the whole time. <laughs> the whole time? The whole time? <laughs> and no one ever called me Yellen Marsh in my whole life. It's so it's fucking so, good. It was, it's almost so obvious that you just like breezed right past it. <laughs> I got Melon. I got Martian. Yellen Marsh. Genius. Lucky you. I just got homo. So. <laughs> Jared visited Casey in January when he was last in Yazoo County. The last time that I saw Jared was when he left his wallet at my house. She says all of these lovely things about their relationship, and then she dropped a bomb that she hadn't seen Jared since January. Which is awful, and Lisa's like, shit. Yeah, and Casey was like, yeah, I mean, he was there. I didn't even know he was going to Mima's for summertime. So you're like... Okay, what's going on there? And this is where Mama Lisa was like, um, okay, uh, Casey, tell Jared, Ollie Ollie Oxen free, it's time to come home. And Casey's like, I haven't seen him. <laughs> I ain't seen him a little, which makes me go, what was his plan? Yeah. I wish I want to know so bad. I like, know. What was your plan? And Mama Lisa was like, wait, we weren't freaking out because we thought he was with Casey this whole time. And that's when it really dawns on them, we've got to start casting our net real wide. And remember, now they're three weeks out. So this is where we learn the sad story about Papa Steve. We go 25 years back. My sister was 18 years old. And she had some friends that invited her to go to a concert. So my sister called my mom and told her she was going to a concert on the coast and she'd be back on Monday. But Steve's sister, Susan, never returned. So he tells us a story about how his 18-year-old sister, same age as Jared, mm -hmm. had gone down to the coast of Mississippi because she was going to go to a concert, and then they never saw her again. Yeah, and this is the heartbreak of it all. Susan's body was weighed down and wrapped in burlap and chicken wire. She had been murdered by a couple she had recently met through a friend. So before they had heard anything, three months after she went missing, there was a headline in the paper. And in the paper was a composite sketch of a woman that looked very much like Papa Steve's sister who was found in a creek by some children. And it was indeed his sister. It's awful. Also... I would like to chat with those kids who found that body. I Are know. you okay? People don't go swimming in creeks in Mississippi. You just <laughs> oh. never know what you're going to unearth. So Papa Steve naturally has some PTSD from this. He is just terrified. Okay, so now remember, they are three weeks behind, right? Because, you know, they thought he was pouting with girlfriend Casey. So Papa Steve calls the police. And what do the police say? I mean, they're like, sorry, you're going to have to get Mima to call us and report this. So... Again, we see this time and time again, these arbitrary rules. Was it because she was the last person to call or because she lives there? So you mean to tell me if you and I go down to Mississippi and you go missing, they're like, no, you got to find someone who lives here to report it. 
What? Well, where you and I are never going to Mississippi, yeah. first of all. <laughs> Secondly, I've been I've spent enough time in Mississippi. But like So yeah, so then they're like, okay, I'll get Meemaw to call. So Meemaw calls, she files the police report, and then Steve and Lisa are like, Well, we've got to start calling all of our friends and family in Yazoo yeah. and see what's going on. Have you seen him? Where uh, any has anyone seen him? Yeah. So Mama Lisa calls the mom of the boy that he was supposed to spend the summer with. And she told me, I saw Jared walking down the road, not far from her house on old 16 with his backpack. I said, did you know where he was going? She said, I have no idea. I thought maybe he was walking to the house. But when I got to the house that evening, he wasn't there. So I just assumed he was going somewhere else. She's like, I saw him walking along old 16 highway one night at night and he had his backpack. I thought it was so weird. And I was like, did you want to stop and ask if he was okay? Now, listen, I know I'm known for not knowing my surroundings, but you saw him. I mean. On old 16. Yes. Wherever that is. Uh Uh-huh. This, now, this is the mother of the friend. She was like, huh, hey, Jared. <laughs> In the pre-dawn hours. They say the pre-dawn hours. And poor Mama Lisa's like, okay, well, did you know where she was going? And then the mother goes, funny story, I didn't even stop. I mean, can you imagine? I know this must have had been your reaction. Like, every Italian ounce uh, in me is like, I would have pulled over and been like, get your ass in this car. Listen, I'm not mad at the mom. I just want to have a little Italian walk with her. <laughs> I want to go out for a little walk, a little stroll. So the mom was like, yeah, I saw him walking down the highway and he had all of his stuff. And then Mama Lisa's like, all right, well, let me know how that cobbler turns out. <gasps> like, I know. Oh. I, I Lisa obviously is a teddy bear because I would have been like, bitch, yeah. I'm going to come drive down there to Yazoo and one of us is going to the boneyards <laughs> and it ain't going to be me. Who would do that? I know. It's so sad. I, I just want to think that maybe they're like she was rushing to work, like she was late to work. And I get he's 18, but that is something you and I would never I know. do. I know. Because it's still a kid. I know. Bless his heart. Jared has now been missing for more than five months. Just as his loved ones are beginning to think his trail has grown cold, the family is told of a new sighting. My mom got a call and said that my cousin Jeffrey was at the mall outside of Jackson and had just happened to glance up and it was Jared. He was 100% sure it was Jared. This is five months later. And we have a Jared sighting. But the most important part of the story... He didn't know! The cousin didn't know he was missing. Now, I'm really going to try and rein it in right now because (laughs) I'm going to try and speak calmly because if I yell, it's going to be catastrophic and it's going to be chaotic. Thank you. So it's been five months. And and I Googled it. Yazoo County in 2007 had a population of 28,000 people. That's like 1.6 million less than Manhattan. (laughs) Now, you mean to tell me that this person's... I'm I'm, I'm calm right now. This person's cousin didn't know he had been missing. So... Listen, Uh I'm just very concerned for the breakdown of communication in this family. (laughs) I mean, this was before Facebook. I guess there was no MySpace group. I mean, was was there a call? Was it an email? Was the cousin new to the earth? Like, what was happening that he's like, hey, Jared. Also. Oh, shoot. Now, there he goes. And someone's like, you know, your cousin's missing. He's like, no, he ain't. So this is where Christopher tells us something that if you know enough of these stories, we hear this time and time again. While in rehab, Jared was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, a condition that involves alternating periods of mania and depression. Jared was suffering from bipolar disorder. Now, bipolar disorder is very common and it is underdiagnosed. It generally starts around ages 15 to 19. So he had been diagnosed in rehab, which is great because he was on the proper medication. But when he went to Mima's, Mama Lisa confirms he only had three months of his prescription, which makes sense because he was only going to be gone for the summer, right? Yes, this poor baby. I mean, my heart breaks for him. He's been through a lot. He was struggling, but he was really working toward getting better and then this happens so now they're obviously you know scared for his physical safety you know and but now they're fearing for his mental safety as well yeah because mama lisa tells us that she was afraid that it would be hard for him to distinguish between these vivid dreams and reality and he wouldn't know how to get back home I know. that I broke my heart I know. honey get used to it your heart <laughs> Patrick always 
edits out the times that I cry. So if you cry, we'll edit it out. There's no crying on our comedy okay, podcast. Okay, fine. <laughs> if he's off that medication, then he's going to be even more prone to peer pressures and propensities to get back into these old habits. And it scares me that he may have gotten mixed up with somebody in his own drugs again, and he doesn't remember everything like he should or doesn't know where he is. One of the drugs Jared had a history of abusing, CCC, causes hallucinations. So we find out that Jared's drug of choice in the past was CCC. What the shit is that? Uh, what? What? I, I was like, Mississippi, what is that? I had to Google it. Tell it's- him what it is. <laughs> Dextromethorphane? Uh-huh. It's like a cough medicine? Yes, it's an expectorant. Is that right? Is that how you say it? Expectorant? Thank you. Expectorant. I put the wrong emphasis, emphasis on the wrong <laughs> syllable. <laughs> You're adorable. <laughs> so they're obviously worried that he's abusing that. So now during this time, there's a new sheriff in town, like an actual new sheriff in yes. town. Not like That's not like a phrase, which they were excited about because they felt like the old investigative team didn't really care much about Jared's disappearance. And then the new sheriff was like, well, he's 18. He can do what he wants. Honey, these people were so excited because this is going to be a breath of fresh air. Mm -hmm. This is going to be it. We're very excited. He's going to start a fresh. We're going to get a fresh start on the investigation. And holy shit, they could not be more wrong because they are about to meet possibly the most useless human being I've ever come across. And that's saying a lot because I've met your exes. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) The Johnstons hope a conversation with the new detective will revitalize the investigation. His initial response to me was, well, he's 18 years old. There was no foul play suspected. Basically, I don't have anything to investigate. It's always in these times when they say something like that, well, they can go missing on purpose. And it's shocking to me because the people who that said to are sitting here in the interview, which makes me think that they didn't burn down an entire city, (laughs) which then makes me realize how far gone I actually am. (laughs) Because if someone were to say that to me about a loved one, it's it's done. You dead. Yeah. So we meet Detective Dennis Mulder, who's here to talk to us as slow as an asthmatic snail. <laughs> when they come to me and it's months after he came up missing, that's a lot of cold time behind. Just pick up and start looking. He basically explains they have no leads. I just saved you all eight minutes of your life. There Truly, you go. I don't even think this man is a detective. I think his first name just happens to be detective. <laughs> okay. What do you want to name him? <laughs> this man is no help. This man is a burden on people. Yeah. I just know that people in his life would be like, oh, Molda, he's a burden. Yeah. So <laughs> he says, he says the best thing. He says. We don't even know where to start looking. We don't know where to start looking. <laughs> and I was like, investigator school like isn't it where like you this is how you start looking i don't know knock on a door ask some questions you don't know where to you have one job to just start looking and he says we don't know what to do literally this is your job sir so the family starts reaching out to a bunch of missing persons websites like they just start doing whatever they can. Because what else can they do? I would do the same thing. Yep. Then we fast forward to February 2008, you guys. Nearly seven months after Jared disappeared, the silence is broken. In early February, the Johnstons receive terrifying ransom notes via email. And the Johnsons receive a ransom note in their email demanding $50,000 if they ever want to see their son again. And they're like, if you say anything to anyone, we'll just send his body to you. Yeah. Which, that's got to be expensive, people. (laughs) You're just going to, you're going to overnight a dead body? (laughs) Yeah. You need the $50,000 to (laughs) to overnight it to me, please. So they report the email to the FBI. Also, ransom note people do better. Truly do better. All emails are trackable, you (laughs) 
idiots. <laughs> They're like, so it turns out, I mean, a spoiler, it turns out to be a hoax. It's someone from another country trying to, like, you know, take advantage of this poor family. And you really, really have to be some kind of disgusting. And you just have to be empty and vile to take advantage of, like, desperate people, you fucking tonsil stone. Also, you're <laughs> stupid. You are stupid. They're like, let us send it an email. They will <laughs> never know. No, literally, that's how they know. I know. I mean, it's it, you. sometimes technology, it's hard for I people. Know. But these are the same people that are calling about your extended car warranty <laughs> when you're like, I don't have a car! <laughs> so then now it's March 2008, yep. right? Jared is still missing, and the Johnsons, they've had enough. These poor people have I dealt know. with more idiots. I know. I mean, and we're in show business, yeah. <laughs> okay? We know idiots. Um, but they they decide, okay, that's it. You know what we're going to do? We're going to drive down to Jackson, Mississippi, and we're going to canvas that mall where our useless cousin saw him and see what we can find. We had high hopes, thinking we're going to find Jared sitting at the mall drinking a soda or something. We're going to bring him home this weekend. And then we're going to, you know, beat him up because he's been gone so long. So they, they make the drive, and Sister Brittany goes into to this jewelry store and she, you know, they have a flyer and a picture and the jewelry store person was like, you know what? He was here looking for an engagement ring and and they were like, actually, you know what happened? His credit card was declined and he never came back. But this is a great lead, right? Because all they have to do is find the security footage, see what kind of mind frame he was in or see if it was him to have a positive sighting. Yeah, and here's the problem with that. But by the time they contact the mall, all security footage has been deleted, and there is no way to corroborate the story. And mall security goes, yes, we done wiped those security cameras. The footage is gone. And you're like, motherfucker! Yeah, we've never figured out a way. Stop recording over the security footage. <laughs> I mean, Please. Just, does anyone have a Dropbox account? <laughs> you have a pro? I mean, literally. We can just put all the footage in it. I will loan you my Vimeo password, yeah, okay? Just, can we upload it? <laughs> Useless. I mean, truly, these poor Johnsons, they have encountered more useless people. I mean, it's like fork in the road after... No, that's not right. (laughs) What is it? Work it again. Do it again. It's bump in the road after bump in the road. See, I did it. Look at you. I did it. Thanks, Mom. (laughs) Fork in the road after... Shut up, Yellen Marsh. (laughs) It brought a lot of joy knowing that we had that lead, that we knew that he was alive. He was out there somewhere, but still wondering, why hasn't he contacted us? But here's the thing. This does give the family a little bit of hope because they think, well, he's alive. Right. Because this woman saw it. Now, here we go. Buckle up. Stay seated. Put your arms and loose articles inside the cabin at all times. Thank you for riding Snow White and the Mine Train. Honey. Because it is July 2010. And here we go. When they least expect it, a shocking turn in the case. In July of 2010, I received a call from a lady in Atlanta. The woman, named Kelly Height, tells Detective Mulder she and her brother had been caring for a young man they rescued off a highway in Atlanta two years earlier. And there are more twists and turns, my lord. So she's like, hey, I have found this guy who is clearly injured and disoriented, and he fits the description of this missing kid. Mm -hmm. And bless this man's heart. Uh, Detective dipshit, I don't know what's happened in your life, but listening to him try to say the word Atlanta (laughs) is an exercise in patience. It was like, I received a call from a lady in Atlanta. I got a call from Atlanta. So Kelly tells us how she found him. She said that he had probably been hit by a car. He was hungry. He was dehydrated. Her brother and she had found him like slumped over a guardrail. And she asked him his name. Now, he said his name was Samuel Alexibus. Samuel Alexibus. And I would like to say, ladies and gentlemen, that is my new drag name. Please welcome to the stage, Samuel Samuel Alexibus. Now, Kelly, you know, Kelly has attended rodeos and she was like, he never spelled his name correctly twice. Like he was clearly making this up. This was not his name. And he couldn't remember details about his life. He couldn't remember his address and his phone number. And she was like, this woman, I mean, down bitch. She was like, maybe he had amnesia. I mean, bless her heart. This is the woman. If you're lost on the side of the road, this is the woman you want to pick you up. Because I have to tell you, I don't know if this occurred to you too. It would take a lot. 
lot for me to stop yeah. to pick up a stranger oh, or yeah. to help a stranger because you just never know. You never we know. live in New York City yeah. where I once offered a man who was homeless uh, a sandwich that mm. I had and it was like a half-eaten sandwich and he literally told me to fuck myself and he was going to kill me. Uh-huh. And I was like, well, so well, you don't yeah. want the sandwich? Yeah, so, so okay. All right, honey. All so, right. I mean, I'm just yeah. saying, like, that's a big that's a big risk you're taking picking up someone from the side of the highway. But obviously, she's got a big heart. This guy is hurting and yeah. she takes him in. Yeah, so she had explained, you know, how this all happened and she had seen a missing persons thing on Facebook. And that's when she was like, huh, this looks like, you know, Samuel, who I've been taking care of. And here's the thing. Her description of him was so close to Jared. She was like, okay, it looks like him. He also had a chipped front tooth. So, you know, Detective Dipshit Yertle was like, (laughs) well, why don't you send me a picture of him? And they send a picture and Mama Lisa and Papa Steve gets the picture. And they're like, you know. Then the more you look at the photograph and you see the hair color, you see the color of his eyes, you see other features, and you visualize, well, three years has gone by. I haven't seen him. Three years! Three years! And, like, you know, he's been weathered and worn. And it's, like, confusing. You know, if someone was, like, maybe living on, you know, the street and not, you know, she had said he was dehydrated and not eating well. Papa Steve was like, uh, I don't know. I'm with Papa Steve. Can I just say, I would like to go on the record as saying, when I saw his picture, I was like, is everybody on CCC? I just don't look nothing like Jared to me. Well, it looked like, I mean, Papa Steve was like, you know, maybe his nose had been broken. You take into account age or maybe weight loss or gain but also here's something tricky your mind can play tricks on you absolutely you know your mind can make you believe something we've seen this like a couple times like well you know you 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 make it well well maybe his hair is longer maybe he gains some weight you know it's like you want something to be so bad absolutely. that you know you kind of like make it be true i will give you that because also there were things about him that Jared loved like yeah. he played the guitar uh, on top of uh, already the, the the you know the chipped front tooth but also the canning tomatoes and that was something him and my mom did we had this huge garden and she would spend hours canning and getting tomatoes ready to put up that was their thing they did together that gave us the indication that this really is Jared he remembers us he may have been through a lot and been hit by a car, but he still remembers us. Well, that's very specific because he said, well, I have a memory because he didn't have a lot of memories. Yeah. He couldn't recall who he was or where he'd come from, but he said, I remember canning tomatoes. And that's when we hear stepsister Brittany talking about he loved canning tomatoes with my mom. They did that a lot and it was something they bonded over. Yeah. So that would, for me, be the clinker. I'd be like, yep. it's him. Let's go get our boy. Samuel was with us approximately seven to eight weeks. We picked him up on August 2nd of 08. After Labor Day, we had a cookout, and he became very agitated with the other kids his age, very threatening toward them, and he immediately wanted to leave. So, Down Bitch Kelly had already been trying to figure out, you know, who Samuel was. So, Kelly was flyering, and they had um, a barbecue. And one day at the barbecue, Samuel said he had a girlfriend in Mississippi. Jared had a girlfriend in Mississippi, right? And he wanted to go there. So then Samuel, out of the blue, changed his mind. And he's like, you know what? Actually, Kelly, I have family in New York. I want to go to New York. So Kelly was like, "I I mean... Okay. I know. And he doesn't have an ID. The bus, they're giving him a hard time. Yeah. And then she says, you know, when we got to the bus station, I saw all these people experiencing homelessness and I didn't, we didn't want that for him. And I'm just like, Kelly, let me hug you. I know. Oh, I want to give her all the hugs. So she gives him this army coat and she puts her name and phone number and address in every pocket. It got me. That got me. Can someone send her a t-shirt? Can you send Kelly a (laughs) t-shirt? Somebody send me a box of Kleenex because I could cry. I know. I could really cry. That's love. Yeah. That is truly love. So now... We don't know where this Samuel is that might be Jared. So now we have two families looking for this maybe one man. Now, slow-talking molasses man tells us all the scenarios. He could be in a hospital. He's like, well, it could be in a hospital. He could be in a rehab. He could be in a rehab. He could be in a jail. He could be in... I was like, baby... 
We all have true crime 101 degrees. Thank you very much. We know all this. This guy is a fucking idiot. He, he could have been abducted by aliens. We're like, you are useless. We just don't know. He has a sense of confidence that is definitely unearned. I don't know where he came from. That man is a burden. I'm telling you. Steve contacts the FBI agent who helped the family when they received ransom notes to try and get more information about the boy. Between the FBI and the police, they're going to find him. And we were really hopeful. My dad was so excited. I mean, it was the first time I'd seen him smile in months. It was the first time I had seen him laugh in months. So then Papa Steve is like, enough of this horse shit. Help us out, please. And he helps them. Unfortunately, it leads to bad news. Yeah. So they compared the fingerprints and everyone is crushed to find out that that was not Jared. And the heartbreakingest moment of the whole episode, Mama Lisa can barely phonate. And she said, it wasn't our boy. Not our boy. I was like, okay, I'm done. Bless her heart. (laughs) So we learned that Samuel's name was actually Nathaniel. He was in Boston. And and down bitch Kelly felt so bad for the Johnstons because she basically was like, I feel like I sent them on this wild goose chase for their son. But the good thing is we found Nathaniel because of the Johnstons. Absolutely. And this is the moment, Ellen, I want to hug Mama Lisa, like, because she is such a good person. She's like, you know what? This is bad news for us, but I'm going to call Kelly, give her the good news, Mm -hmm. and at least someone can be reunited with someone that they love. I mean, come on. No, I know. It's moments like this that I realize I'm not dead inside. (laughs) Jared Johnston has been missing for nearly five years. It's another election year. And again, a new administration takes over the sheriff's department at Yazoo County. And for the third time, a new investigator is assigned to Jared's case. Now, I I don't mean to go off the rails too much, but this does seem like an excessive amount of new sheriffs in this actual town. Is everyone okay in Yazoo, Mississippi? Why do you guys just keep changing sheriffs? Because there is a CCC problem among the police, apparently, in Yazoo County. So hold on to your butts. We meet the new investigator, Tommy Irvine. And Tommy Irvine breaks it down for us. And he said, hmm, wait, so Jared, Jared Johnston, uh, I don't see any, I don't know what you guys are talking about. I see no paperwork for this. What is his name? Jared Johnston. And Detective Mulder was like, huh, where's that? I swore I put that paperwork somewhere. (laughs) Well, good luck. I'm going to go to the Golden Nugget Buffet and you have fun with that. And Detective Irvine is like, uh, let's start at the very beginning. Detective Mulder says he was unaware the file went missing and comes in to meet with Detective Irvine to discuss the case. Now, Detective Irvine must reestablish for himself the timeline after Jared's disappearance. There is no paperwork on Jared's case. Are you kidding me? Can we throw this family a fucking bone? Listen, I get it. I know every day we get out of bed and we just do our fucking best. And people come after us when we blame cops. But when shit like this happens, I mean, imagine your kid going missing and someone going, well, dang it, I misplaced that file. I'm sorry, you misplaced what now? Honey, he pulled a Mariah Carey and said, I don't know her. I'm so sorry. This family has been through so much. I'd be like, somebody's going to pay for this. I'm going to burn this joint down. And I want your shoes, too, as an apology. Like, they cannot get a fucking break. I know. This is not misplacing your order for cheesy fries. This is your kid. My rage is earned and acceptable. That is all I'm saying. (laughs) So here we are with poor Detective Irvine starting over. All the way over. Two weeks after meeting with Lisa, Detective Irvine uncovers a possible new lead. Really? You know, my heart's racing already. I've got goosebumps. What do you mean you have a lead? He said, I've got some people that are telling me that he may be in the Atlanta area. To his credit, he hits the ground running, and within two weeks, he has a little demi lead. He sure does. Now, I do have a problem with the way Mr. Irvine went about this, because Mm -hmm. Apparently, there's a guy who's in a coma in a hospital in Atlanta, right? Mm -hmm. And it fits the description of Jared. And the problem is, is they can't give his name to the sheriff because there's privacy laws. And instead of getting a warrant, doing what he can do first to make sure that this is the guy, he goes to the family and goes, 
Well, it's a long shot, but there is a guy who sort of fits the description in Atlanta yeah. who could be Jared and gets the family's hopes up, even though Mama Lisa's like, I've been down this road before. I know. Bless her heart. And so they're like, hopeful. Could it be him? I hope it's him. And Sister Brittany is like, maybe he, if he's in a coma, we won't get to talk to him, but at least we can hold I his know. hand. I know. I know. And so they get a warrant to figure out more about this man who might be in a coma, who might be Jared in a hospital in Atlanta. And Detective Irvine is really, really trying here. And they're all waiting to hear more. And it wasn't him. And the ups and downs for this family are just vast. So vast. So it's been over 14 years since Jared left Mima's house, and this case is still open and unsolved. So if you have any additional information, please contact the Yazoo County Sheriff's Department at 662 741 5611. We hope for some kind of closure for this sweet family who has really been put through it. Say something funny. I'm sure Detective Dipshit is a very nice man. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and welcome, Joey. It's been so fun, baby. We give you three bonus episodes a month. They are ad-free. We also have a tier that gives you our close friends list on Instagram, gives you a little bit of insight as to the stupid things that we do when you're not around. Join us on the Facebook. Facebook? Join us on the Facebook. It's called the, what's it called, Joey? It's called Obsessed with Disappeared Facebook group. Discussion group. We are in there all the time. We love connecting with you. Meet your true crime besties. We talk about everything. We talk about true crime. People are meeting their best friends. We had a Q&A a couple weeks ago for our drama club members, and people were like, can we all be friends? So come and meet your friends. Follow us on Instagram at The Disappeared Pod. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter on at Ellen Marsh. You can follow Joey at It's Joey Taranto on Instagram. Also, like, I'm so excited to get in this Facebook group and let's talk some shit. Yeah, we could definitely talk some <laughs> shit and reach out to us on socials and we love you so much. We love you and Yellen Marsh, I love you. I love you. We love you. Bye. Bye, babies. All right, so here we are. We're picking up Saturday, 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 July 7th, 2007. Back to Wazoo. We are three weeks out. Wazoo. Wait, did I say Wazoo? You sure did. Oh my God. I, it's, okay, hello. Hello. Okay. I mean, do I think Yazoo and Wazoo are just fine? I'm sure we have a listener from Wazoo. I'm going to get a letter. They're going to be like, Dear Ellen, I am from Yazoo, Mississippi. What? Are you okay? Did you have a stroke? Oh. Uh, <laughs> Oct- what's the month before September? August! Oh, yay! <laughs> but it's Kentucky. Oh! We love you, Kentucky. We do love you, Kentucky. You scared me a little bit. Uh, <laughs>